Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Yes. Back to talk about Shelby's favorite singer ever. Favorite <laughs> director, favorite writer, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Boy, did he make appearances in this one. I, I got to tell you, I won't be surprised if he finds a way to pop in on this podcast, honestly, at the rate he's going. Oh, Just... Lynn, what are yeah. you doing here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bless his heart. Honestly... It used to annoy me a lot more and it still does, but it's like funny now how just unapologetic he is about wanting to be in any space possible. So I, I admire it at this point, really. It's a, it's a talent he has. (laughs) Yeah, he really does love it. And, and when I heard like he was in a, like a cameo of this, I was like, oh, okay. He's just going to be like popping by. No, he's fully (laughs) in like. 15 scenes (laughs) yeah he has a whole song at one point oh boy yeah honestly it it was it was funny it it, every time he popped up my whole like audience would just laugh like at the end there's a scene where um (laughs) where anthony ramos's character is like sort of looking out onto this beach and it's like full of all the people who are you know like, like matter he has him. connections yeah. too yeah and and i don't know if i like missed it in the wide shot or what but then it's sort of you get close-ups on some of the people and then you and then no, it cuts yeah. to a close-up of lynn and i like audibly gasped and was like what does he even know that like do these characters yeah, no, even know they, each other they never cross paths i mean the i remember they do not interact one-on-one in any way but there he was on the beach singing about how important he was to the community and i was Mm -hmm. just like okay (laughs) it really was delightful but we're getting ahead of ourselves i yes i'm excited to talk about in the heights this has obviously been hyped for a long time it was supposed to come out last summer but was delayed because of covid um Mm -hmm. so people had already seen it like critics had already seen it before covid pushed the release and so people had been sitting on their reviews it was all like oh is this as good as it looks like will this be a great summer hit and so once the embargo was lifted as we got closer it was like everyone was like this was the greatest film to watch it was so fun so perfect so meaningful everyone needs to see this it'll be such a good time and i'm curious did it live up to the hype for you yeah, I thought so. I yeah. I mean, I've been excited to see this for a while. I feel like it was one of my picks yeah. last year in the preview and then again this year. This is based off of Lin-Manuel Miranda's original Broadway show, which ran back in 2008 and, and did really well. It won the Tony um, for Best Musical, but obviously was not as big of a success as Hamilton. Right. And then sort of when Hamilton, uh, you know, became huge, people again started focusing on In the Heights. And that's kind of like when this this version of this movie um, came back into the conversation. But yeah, yeah I had, I've listened to the, 
the cast album of the musical through a few times. I don't Ooh. know it super, super well, but I I had liked that. I liked the storyline. You know, Hamilton is obviously like this big historical thing, but In the Heights is just about a neighborhood in uh, like upper Manhattan that's inhabited mostly by Hispanic people and had just like their day-to-day, you know, like life and the things that they're trying to do in their relationships. So it feels like a sort of a more manageable scope than Hamilton. And yeah, I was really excited. The trailers and the previews and stuff made it look like the dancing was going to be great. And it was, they cast mostly like unknown or like not as famous people in the Mm -hmm. roles. So like everyone was a good singer. Everyone was a talented dancer. You didn't, it wasn't like a mama Mia ish kind of thing where you're like, (laughs) Oh, Pierce Brosnan has a whole song that we have to like drag ourselves through. So overall, I really, really liked it. I watched it yesterday with a friend and was like crying through half of it. And Mm -hmm. then afterwards was like, I would immediately watch this second time, but also I love musicals. So it does, that shouldn't be surprising to anybody. I don't think. (laughs) You're like, this is almost as good as Eurovision. Yes, exactly. <laughs> did you like it? Yeah, no, I did. I liked it a lot. I, unlike you, I didn't know anything about this except like I knew it existed, but I hadn't like listened to the soundtrack. I didn't know the story at all. Um, so I really went in kind of blind. And by the time it rolled around, that was sort of intentional because I was like, oh, well, I'll just see the movie. And, um, mm-hmm. and I thought it was really fun. And, um, and powerful and vibrant and enjoyable and entertaining. And I think it, it deserved the hype it got. Um, it's been interesting since going, seeing some of the sort of, I mean, controversies is a strong word for a movie that's ultimately more positive than negative in any real way. And, um, but one of the biggest stories this week is that it had a very disappointing box office run where it yes. clocked in at, I think, $11 million for its opening weekend, which placed it number two behind A Quiet Place. And so people were pretty surprised by that. But it was also streaming for free on HBO. Yeah, it was weird because, I mean, I had heard so much hype about it. Yeah. Uh, like in New York, in like media, like with my my friends, I feel like everybody I know was like baked in to want to go see this and love it. And then when it got such positive reviews, because I think it has a 97% on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes right now, it was like everybody was excited to see it. I saw it. I loved it. I like posted something about it on Instagram. I had people responding like, oh my gosh, I've already seen it twice. Like I was like, oh, this must be a huge success. And then when I saw the box office numbers and it, it, that it like had only made 11 million, which wasn't very much. And that, um, yeah, and that it just did not seem to have like cut through, I guess, yeah. to most of America. I was very surprised. And I think I was reading articles and some people were talking about how, yeah, it was streaming at the same time. But I don't think that that has hurt some of the other movies that have had that similar situation. Um, <clears throat> and also, I don't think the streaming numbers were that good. Yeah. So. I, I'm I'm hoping that this has like big word of mouth energy yeah. because I feel like I've talked about it with a lot of people um, and I feel like everybody likes it. So that hopefully it doesn't get buried. All, but I mean, there there are things coming out the next couple of weeks, but not like that much stuff. Mm-hmm. So 
hopefully people will get their rears and gears and go uh, <laughs> see this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it's interesting because obviously we're in uncharted territories with um, COVID and people's willingness to go back to theaters. Obviously, A Quiet Place, I think, did like 40 million in its opening mm-hmm. weekend. Um, I don't remember what Cruella did. Um, but yeah, it, it's sort of like I'm... I see both sides where I'm like, oh, that's disappointing. But I'm also like, I think we sometimes put too much stock in box office numbers. Um, Because again, this was still a huge success, like critically and in a a social way. And whether or not that reached a audience that's willing to churn out $15 for a ticket to a movie theater at this point, I don't know if we can use that to discredit the film's impact. but yeah, I, it was sort of like a pause for me because I was like, well, does this mean the HBO's method isn't really going to pay off going forward? Because there were times where I was like, oh, yeah, this is available right now. Like we had tickets on a Saturday. We could have watched it on Thursday or whatever. And it's sort of like, well, it would be easy to just be like, oh, I'll just turn it on on HBO instead of you know making an event out of it. But they haven't released their streaming numbers, I don't think. So it's hard to say whether or not, you know, millions of people were sitting home watching this or if more people watch like Mayor of Easttown at this point. Well, I also was thinking that this does have the feel of a movie that would take a little bit longer to get started. Just because like, obviously, I mean, I love Hamilton. You love Hamilton. We have been very invested in Hamilton for a long time. And even for us, like, I'm not that big of an in the heights person. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, right. I think there's there's lots of people who like Hamilton, but don't even know what in the heights is. Yeah. And also, like, Lynn isn't in this movie. I mean, he is in the movie, <laughs> but he's not, like, the star of the movie. Right. All, all of the people who, like, Anthony Ramos, who was in Hamilton, is the star. But, like, you would have to be a big Hamilton person and know that. Mm-hmm. So I just, I feel like there's there's not a lot of like entry points to this necessarily. If you were just like a random person looking to go to the movies, I don't know that you would be super excited about it, Yeah, but I feel like with word of mouth and people being like, it's so much fun to watch on the big screen. Like I saw it in IMAX. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many, it's like the music and the numbers are so cool. Like this is a very fun movie to go see in theaters and also movie that you could go see with your entire family. Like Mm -hmm. it's not just a, like I think if you were kids, you would be equally like enthralled by everything. It's like bright colors and costumes and the choreography is really good. So, and the plot lines aren't like that complicated. Um, So I could see this being something that like, yeah, does sort of pick up steam over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully. Yeah, I think it's so. worth it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I obviously lived in New York for a while and you're still there. And I think, I mean, I lived in Hamilton Heights, as it's called um, mm-hmm. now. Um, so a little bit below 181st Street um, where this takes place. But it was really like, it was exciting to see. And I think we obviously have to talk about that because something else that's against this movie, unfortunately, is it's about brown people, you know, it's about a Latinx community um, and a mixed community, you know, a very colorful community. And a lot of the songs are in Spanish. A lot of the dialogue is in Spanish there. You know, there's a lot of cultural 
points that aren't from, you know, something I grew up around or that I identified with at all. And so I think that's a huge plus for this movie is that it was just a joyful experience and it and you don't really get a lot of movies about about people of color that are this joyful, you know, we get 12 years a slave and we get green book and, um, you know, we get Selena and these sad stories that obviously have a place in, well, maybe not green book, but there's a place for them in in film, but we don't get that many that just have people happy. And that felt like an act of defiance in a way that the cast and crew talked about where they were just allowed to be joyful, even when the story did take more serious notes, even when it did cover serious topics. At the heart of it, it was just people who were living their diverse lives and managing to, you know, chase their dreams and and find joy in the little moments. And I think that was so enjoyable to watch. And and it really did mean something to me as a white person who doesn't speak Spanish to just sit back and be like, wow, good for them. You know, like uh, it's sad that it's taken so many years and such a fight to get a, to get a studio film like this made, but it, it felt so meaningful to just witness it in a way. And I loved how just sort of like, normal and realistic everything was i mean like the cast is full of people who aren't like big a-listers at one point they were trying to like it got scrapped because they were trying to get someone like jennifer lopez Mm -hmm. or shakira or someone to like be in one of these lead roles because they wanted more name recognition but i love that they just got these people who are really good at singing and dancing for the most part and then I loved how it focuses on like everyday people in this very specific neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. you just get all of these shots of bodegas and these like sort of old like apartment buildings and street corners. And it just all looks so realistic. I mean, it is realistic. It was shot on location, but it all is like so New York and so of this very specific vibe. And I feel like lots of times with movies, I mean, even like with Woman in the Window, (laughs) It's like it's New York, but it's like a, it's something that you can't really like identify like where mm-hmm. this is or it doesn't or it doesn't ring true. Like it doesn't seem realistic. Mm-hmm. But like the bodega in this like looks like <laughs> actual bodegas that I've been in a bunch yeah. of times. Like the costumes are things that I see people wear around the city. Like it all it all like felt very authentic and even like i love the i love all the dance numbers and how all of the dancers mm-hmm. look very much like normal people there's like old people there's young people there's kids there's people of like all different like body types and they're all like killing the moves and killing the choreography yeah. but i feel like in a lot of these kind of movies like all of the background dancers are these you know, like straight out of Juilliard, like life (laughs) ballerina type people. And that was not the case with this. And I just liked how like realistic everything felt and Mm -hmm. that, yeah, it felt like very joyful, but it also felt like very down to earth. And we are showing these like real people and what their real lives look like. Well, that's what's interesting is, um, uh, so this is directed by John Chu, who did Crazy Rich Asians. Obviously, Lin-Manuel was involved. Um, but they also just like made sure that there was a ton of diversity behind the scenes. So even the um, choreographer uh, was a Latinx dancer. And he said it was important that 
there was a collaboration between everyone representing their specific culture. So in one of the one of the scenes, they're having this carnival, this impromptu carnival, and it features traditional dances from like the DR and Puerto Rico and Cuba and Mexico. And then of course you have the in, you know, the the melting pot vibes of New York style dancing as well. And he talked about how everyone worked together to come up with that choreography. And so it was authentic because you did have people representing those cultures who were there to kind of give that freestyle effect in those moments where it was natural. And then obviously you had people who were choreographing the bigger dance scenes who did care about that, um, that diversity as well. And I think it pays off. Like, you know, you, we talk all the time about how, oh, sure, this has a, this has a black person in the scene, but was it written by a white person? And it's like, this one felt a lot more true to life, like you said. And I think that's like powerful. And honestly, I really liked that. I mean, some of the songs, like I said, some of the dialogue was in Spanish and they never like bothered to translate it for me. And at first I was like, oh, what are they Mm -hmm. saying? And then I was like, well, I can pick up on it. Like, I don't need this. Like, they don't need to hold my hand through their life experience. And I felt like I really admired that and just how, you know, not for me as a, as a white girl, <laughs> it was. And I, I respected that. And I also, I mean, coming at it from a more personal side, like my husband's Hispanic and his family obviously has a range of uh, these cultures. And um, I think it was, it was really powerful to like, see something that they (laughs) I mean I don't want to like make it other like they and us and whatever but I think it is important to point out like how unique a film this was because of how how true to a culture it it stayed to even I don't know even though um it's it's easy for Hollywood to kind of whitewash stories like this um to make it more accessible to white people yeah, well, I mean, I feel like this, you saw something similar happen with, um, with like crazy rich Asians when that happened mm-hmm. of just, especially there's so few films that focus on people that aren't white or like in a, in a majority cast sort of way that when that happens, it's exciting just in general, because you're like, oh my gosh, this is representation that we don't normally get to see. But then it's even more exciting when it's done really well. And also when like the story is good and it's just like a great film on top of that. Yeah. Um, Which is another reason why I hope that like this, like does better in future weeks, because I think, you know, Hollywood loves to Mm. say, well, that didn't do very well. So we can't do that again. Like it's going (laughs) to have to be another 10 years before we get, you know, a movie with a cast like this because it just like doesn't sell. And so when Crazy Rich Asians happened and it did so well, it was wonderful to sort of be like, no, see, look, like yeah. if, if you make movies with Asian people in it, like they will come and see it. Like other people, everyone will go and see yeah. it. If it's a good story. So we, but, should, we need more of this. Yeah. <laughs> what was interesting is um, I did see some criticisms from people of color who felt like there was some colorism in this film mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the front-facing characters are very light-skinned um, Latinx people. Um, obviously, there is a Black character, but there's not like a ton of Afro-Latinx, dark-skinned people in this 
in this cast. Uh, John Chu, when asked about this, was like, well, they're in the background, which is like, okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> not a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was interesting because I think like you point out, there's this like, oh, a movie has to be has to be the perfect encapsulation of everything or else the next thing won't get made. Whereas maybe there should be room for movies to exist that go across the spectrum. But, you know, um, it, it, it was interesting. And I don't know if I get to like speak on like whether or not this was successful. Um, because I think, yeah, in my experience, <laughs> you know, as a white girl living in Wash in uh, the Heights, it is interesting to be like, oh yeah, I definitely like, this is a familiar vibe to me. But even in my limited exposure to, you know, anywhere above 96th Street, it was like a little whiter, like a little lighter than um, maybe would feel more true. And it's interesting that there's, you know, um, room for criticism while also celebrating what a film accomplished. Well, I feel like I read a couple of like, things about this on Twitter or whatnot. And and even the people who were making these criticism were like, I really love this movie and yeah. it's doing like so many wonderful things, but this is just like one area that it could do better. Yeah. Um, because I think a similar criticism was that they, it was sort of like hyped in the press before this, that two of the characters yes. in, the, in the musical who are normally straight were going to be like a queer couple mm-hmm. and like, oh my gosh, how groundbreaking, whatever. But then really like I was sort of looking for that the whole time and <laughs> barely could see it because there's just like one scene in a montage at the beginning where the two of them are like in like waking up in a bed together. Yeah. But if you didn't like if you didn't like those characters haven't even been introduced yet really at that point. So it's like, if, and it's in a montage with like a bunch of other people. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, there's no way that you would pick up on the fact that yeah. this is a couple. Of hey, otherwise. I did. I did it. Points to me. Um, no, but I, yeah, that was something I, I noticed. And I was like, it's kind of weird. They didn't make that more obvious. And then Rob was like, wait, they weren't like a mother daughter. And I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, I don't think so. I had to like go and verify um, because yeah, it's definitely like one of those it, it is, you know, it's still pretty coded as, as, oh, well you can look past this if you don't want to like face uh, gay people, right. you know? Yes. It's very like, um, like, okay, well you can still bring your kids to this and they probably <laughs> yeah. won't realize. <laughs> they won't turn gay from this. Yeah. The, the Not o- enough exposure. Uh, the only other criticism I saw was, and I can't, I couldn't remember this because I haven't listened to the musical recently enough Mm -hmm. but i guess there's sort of like a plot line that has to do with um like some of the lighter skinned people like not wanting a relationship to happen with the darker skinned people yeah and that that was pulled from the music from this version but also a lot of stuff was pulled because you know you're taking like a three plus hour long stage musical and you're having to cram it down into like a slightly over two hour movie musical so yeah I was curious did you did you notice the differences or were you just kind of not as not as aware because you weren't as obsessed yeah I mean I've maybe listened to this through like two or three times and not probably in the last like seven or eight months so like I knew the general plot points Mm -hmm. and like so there's this whole thing with the lottery ticket Mm -hmm. and in the music or in the stage version that like 
you figure out who wins the lottery much earlier. So I, so I was sort of confused as to like what was going on there. And then also there, like the frame story of like, um, Usnavi being on this beach and telling this story to kids. I was slightly confused about watching it because I was like, wait, I think I (laughs) remember what the ending of this is. And it's like not quite syncing up with like the frame story. So there was a couple things like that. But in general, the plot points, I didn't quite, I didn't remember other than like, okay, I know there's a lottery. I know there's a blackout. Like I know that there's these real different like couple, these two like main couples and who are like trying to, form relationships yeah Uh, yeah which let's talk about because I really did like love everything about this musical I think um Yusnavi was such a fun character all the people around him it was it was a delight but I was just really bothered by Vanessa (laughs) oh really yes I found myself so irritated by her she's the main she's the main love interest and um I felt like she was just such an underwritten character that I kind of like just was so irritated by her choices because they didn't make sense because she wasn't given space to make sense. Like, I don't know. I I was trying to figure out why I did not like her. But (laughs) so, yeah. So like, I guess the, so those two characters, like Uznavi is running a bodega in Washington Heights. And his sort of like dream is to go back to the Dominican Republic and open like a, like a bar restaurant that his father had had before. Um, so he's like trying to like get out of New York sort of. And then Vanessa is from the same neighborhood and they're friends, but she wants to like move downtown. And in the, <laughs> in the musical, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it's like just that she wants to get out and that just that she wants to move downtown. The, I don't think the fashion designer oh, element wow. is even in it. So, so she's more written in this movie and I yes, still didn't like her. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I guess from a character perspective, I, I liked her fine. I feel like musical characters are always sort of like whatever, but I was just so impressed because I thought her singing was really good. And I felt like her dancing was incredible. Like the scene where she's dancing in the club. It's like, you can tell that is fully her and not like a body double or whatever. And she is like doing the choreography amazingly. No, a hundred percent. I really did love that song. And I think she's talented, but I was just like, I think it was like, it was kind of like, and this is another criticism that some people felt um, aimed at John Chu, that it was sort of like male gazy about these, you know, hot Latino girls who are like in their skimpy clothes and you uh-huh. know, strutty. And she's introduced by a chest down sort of shot instead of face up, you know? And so uh-huh. it felt a little like, okay. And, and her dream, you know, ended up, like you said, kind of feeling superficial. And then ultimately... I don't, the finale, like, scene for me where she's like, oh, I've been working on, like, it's a classic, it's a classic sort of rom com comedy sort of moment where you're meant to have this, like, reveal that just shocks and awes you and shows how talented a person is. And obviously, it's hard to be like, I'm a naturally gifted designer in a movie where naturally gifted designers aren't the ones making costumes you know what i mean like they're actually Mm -hmm. out being designers and so the reveal here where she's like i spent all night sewing this outfit and now i want you to what sell it in your bodega like i was just like what is her goal here like what's happening and then the ending is sort of that she does have these (laughs) 
I just imagine like walking into a bodega and being faced with a sort of haute couture outfit I'm supposed to buy with my black beans. Like it was just sort of like, what's happening here? I just didn't buy it in the end. Yeah, yeah. It is sort of a, it was a weird energy that last scene. And it's like, okay, they're staying and they're going to open this like store, but like what exactly are they selling in it? Um, I think though the... The one part of the movie that I felt like was not great was Nina, the other mm. girl. Not necessarily her storyline, but I just felt like the actress that they ha- got for oh, her like wasn't particularly good. And they, it, like her voice was good, but she she had, I feel like very like Disney Channel like singer. She had like some <laughs> more ballads and stuff too, yeah. where she just sort of had to like walk and sing. And I was like, I don't. She's like, don't I'm talk not to sure me. She- I want to hear my street. <laughs> right. I was like, I don't know if she's like good enough to pull this off. And then I looked up, and I think she's like the like the freshest of the cast. Mm. Like she hadn't really been in anything before this. The other thing that I found annoying was most of the movie is set in these like beautiful on location shots where they're like shutting down a street and having all these people on out on the corner, like dancing. But then there's like three or four parts throughout it where they're like, no, we're going to lean heavily into CGI (laughs) and have like, at one point there's these reams of fabric sort of like tumbling through the sky at one point. Nina and Benny are like dancing on the side of a brownstone building and it's not like oh, see I liked the weird bad ones. but I was like why like it it just looked so fakey and I yeah. was like I don't know why we necessarily need this when we when you could have just given me a like a good like dance number on a fire escape oh. because I believe that you could have done it I love like I mean, the fabric thing was kind of like whatever, but that's also because I just don't like Vanessa. But I liked when he would do weird stuff. Like there's a scene where like the lottery song where they're singing and there's like illustrations around them. And then again, Mm -hmm. like the like the fire escape turned upside down type thing. I like that because it feels more stagey in a way like it becomes surreal in a way you have to play with on a stage when you don't have like options to do more realistic stuff um whereas like musicals that are more like cut and dry like i don't know hairspray or dream girls aren't as fun to me as things like um even the greatest showman where it's just like imaginative and kind of playful and strange and so i liked those moments because it kind of felt like Especially, I think one of the best numbers in this song, in this movie, was the um, Abuela song, where it does become sort of avant-garde, and she's dancing through a subway station, and it and it comes and goes in and out of like her past memories, and there's a lot of dancers around her, and it's like moving like a train, and I I thought that was like perfect. Um, a perfect choice where instead of having her like just sad singing in like a doorway or like ghost like she had this really expressive dance that added to the story and I think that's what he was going for for those more avant-garde moments where he was the director was trying to be like yeah expressing something larger <laughs> but the thing with the abuela moment is that it's like she's passing away and so she's like seeing all of this stuff in her mind so it makes sense that it's like a more of a dreamlike scape and also even in that like even though it is a 
dream it's still like all set with real people and dancers for the most part where it's like i mean they're in like weird costumes and stuff but it's like on they're in a subway car they're on a subway platform where the dancing on the side of the building i was just like this is like this is supposedly in the real world but it's not really like but any of like the other the kids, numbers they, they wanted to believe that they could that they could have their like moment they're happily ever after that there was something to like it was all about them wishing that the summer was still starting so they could have the summer together because she's about to leave and so it's sort of this dream they escaped to I guess I don't know. I was that it was that so was romantic. the one number that I was sort of like. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> I liked them. I felt like they had fun energy together, and that you could accept that they had this sort of complicated on-off again relationship without ever having to be explicit about it. And that chemistry felt natural and interesting. And I was left like satisfied with their with their chapter whereas the vanessa and usnavi thing i was always like i do not buy this for a single minute like i do not feel chemistry here i just except in the dancing and except because anthony ramos is like a very charismatic guy so when he's doing his awkward like i don't know how to talk to this girl i have a crush on shtick like it really works in a really Uh endearing way but I was just kind of left like, what is happening? Like, Vanessa's always so melodramatic and she's always the one who's like, like during the the um, the uh, jackpot song or whatever, she just is the one who brings down the song a little bit with her morose, like, <laughs> her morose drama. And then at the, like, she actually has a sign where she says, we are powerless and it's like okay Vanessa like I'm trying to sympathize with you here but there's something about this that I'm just like uh, I don't like you well I she, I mean I think it's partly because she's the one who's like most upset with yeah. her her lot in life yeah, yeah. where the other three of them of Benny and Nina and Usnavi, like even if they're trying to like get away or figure themselves out, they're not like, ugh, like this, why am I from this like poor neighborhood? Like I want better things for myself. Um, Where her whole arc is that she's the one who like, I want to get out of here. Like I don't Mm -hmm. like this. I want to get something better. She wants to go to your neck of the woods, Matt. Right. She wants to go to Kip's (laughs) Bay. And, uh, And that it's only like through this encounter and this blackout and such that she like is able to like um, accept that all of the good things about her upbringing and where she lives. Yeah, no, it was all like very meaningful. I think, um, you know, when you compare in the Heights versus Hamilton, I think it's hard to feel like this is the stronger overall musical just because, you know, it's more, um, I don't know, like like there's so many characters at play it's more of an ensemble story that there's not like as clear of a through line as you get when you're following one historical figure through his life story and so I think this musical you know it it struggles to have the same earworms in some ways and like um that emotional I mean that's not to say it's not like I was crying during it a bit but it's kind of like harder to latch on to the storyline here because it's like a lot happening in a limited amount of time with like a limited scope on every character that has a song and it was almost like every character gets an introductory note and then it's kind of like the dialogue is where you get the growth rather than the music 
Um, well, the 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 other difference I think is that well, uh, there's like a couple things at play here. One for this, like Lynn had to come up with all of these stories, right. where for Hamilton the stories were already there. So for for this, you can like nitpick and be like, well, I don't think like she would have done this, or I don't think like that would have happened. Where for Hamilton, like that's not really something right. to play because it's like, okay, well that did obviously happen. And also whether or not you know who Alexander Hamilton is, you do know a lot of the other characters and you do know the story of the Revolutionary War. So there's a lot of things and emotions sort of just like baked in there that here you're having to explore for the first time yourself, like in a musical. Yeah. And I think the music is really, really good in this, but also it's very similar Mm -hmm. to Hamilton in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. So I, I mean, there's certain songs or like phrases that were in this that I'm like, Oh my gosh, like nearly the exact same thing as in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And so I think having listened to Hamilton so much and then coming to this, it seems like somewhat less impressive where if you had listened, see if you had seen this on Broadway first and then seen Hamilton, I think you would have been very impressed by this because it yeah. is so like new and fresh. But the but like the rapping and the sort of like style of music is something that we know really well from Hamilton at this point. Yeah. And I, I do have to say that I really I really actually did love everything that um Daphne Ruben Vega brought to the table as the like hairstyling gossip who Oh, she was so she funny. She was a delight. And honestly, Stephanie Beatriz, who plays her lover, if you didn't know. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a delight too, which is, she. I only know her from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where she plays a se- very serious cop and is just like the uptight one all the time. And so this was a about face for her. And it was just, I think all these side characters, everyone really came into this with so much like joy about their roles that you just believed mm-hmm. every single one of them except for the, oh yeah except for the uh, uh the ice guy <laughs> oh yes the, the paragua man <laughs> yeah. uh yes lynn um well and daphne rubin vega is ob- is the original mimi from rent so that was yes. you know another another musical like little nod and mm-hmm. then christopher jackson <laughs> who's in Hamilton also has uh, a cameo here. And he was the original Benny, I think. Yeah, I think so too. This. So, cause Lynn was the original Usnav. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Bless his heart. You know, I, uh, that whole number, I mean, there's a couple Hamilton references. Obviously Christopher Jackson is a nod to his role in, in the Heights, but also he has a sort of, um, song exchange, like face off with, Lin-Manuel Miranda in here that that everyone was laughing at because they know him from Hamilton and also he couldn't help himself he put in uh like a waiting the ringtone of a what is it called like a oh like the the whole waiting line. yeah yeah the hold music yeah it was um you'll be back from Hamilton which the audience in the theater loved too so Lin-Manuel Miranda you know you got to keep an eye out for him he's he's planning those easter eggs like Taylor Swift so (laughs) I mean there were less than I thought there was going to be I mean more of him but like less in general well I I guess there was a credit scene where he comes back to sing another song with Christopher Jackson oh I didn't see that (laughs) (laughs) he just can't resist he can't help himself well okay speaking of Lin 
this is like a weird rabbit hole sort of, but I was looking at the projects that he has coming up because I feel like every other day they're announcing something. And I just wanted to like run through these with you and sort of discuss like, is Lynn like making good decisions in his career? (laughs) Is he making bad decisions? Like what's the vibe? So first he's writing four new songs for the little mermaid, a live action adaption that's coming out. Um, I don't think he's starring in it. I think he's just like writing this music. He's an executive producer and a composer on this movie based on the King killer Chronicle, which is like a sci-fi series based on, or that's written by Patrick Rothfuss. Um, I don't think that's a musical though. So I think he's, I, I'm sort of he's unclear an actor like, how now. he's involved. He I wants guess. to act. Then he's writing, a, then he's writing and starring in a Sony animated movie called Vivo. Then he's directing the film adaptation of Tick, Tick, Boom, which is a musical um, that they're now making into a movie. And then he's also writing and uh, writing songs for a Disney animated film called Encanto that's <laughs> coming out in 2021. Oh, so, yeah, that's the Cuban one, right? <clears throat> yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's like writing a lot of music for movies. Yeah. But he doesn't appear to be doing any kind of like Broadway theater stuff. Oh, I'm yeah. wondering if like if he's avoiding that because he like thinks that like he just doesn't like that's like a high risk, high reward situation. And like he can make more money probably writing these random songs for different Disney movies. And like if they're 100%. bad, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I'm like, wait, I feel like everybody has to be waiting for the whatever his next musical is and i'm like do we think he's working on it do we no. think that he has thoughts <laughs> like what's the situation because that's obviously what like, people want yeah i feel like it's the same thing you see with authors it's like you don't make money in broadway and you don't make money writing so it's like you, once you're in hollywood why would you turn your back on that like cash cow to do some risky project um where hamilton was the the extreme like um non-normal thing like even successful musicals never get to the level of hamilton and never make money like hamilton did so unless he was like inspired by a great idea it's like why would he i mean these these musicals took him years to write like he was he was he was writing and creating them and then obviously he wouldn't have to do the same sort of legwork to get them made but I feel like it's so much work that it can't be that fun all the time, you know? Well, see, that's my question, though. It's like he loves theater. Like, clearly he loves theater. He loves starring in these things. He loves writing them. Like, if he does another show, he gets to, like, go on Broadway, be the (laughs) lead. Like, I know that's a lot of work, but also, like, that seems like something that he really, really, really loves to do, where, like, writing random one-off songs for disney it's like yes that's making him money and yes that is like sort of work but i almost feel like the reason why he keeps doing all of these random cameos and things is because he's such like a showman and (laughs) these and these roles that he's taken on these projects are all like kind of behind the scenes like they're not they're not eight show a week in front of like a live audience everyone clapping and cheering for me but don't you Which think I he's like found like the happy medium where he doesn't have to do all that, but he still gets the clapping and cheering for him and the like, you, you know, the articles about like, oh, Lin-Manuel's in, in the Heights, Easter eggs, like type thing. 
I mean, I think sort of, and I think In the Heights, like, is the big boom. And, you know, also, like, Hamilton came out last year. But now it's, I mean, he only has those two shows. So I feel like the well is sort of dry on that front, unless they make, like, an actual, actual Hamilton movie. Maybe they'll do Um, a Mary Poppins spinoff just for him. (laughs) I doubt it. That was bad. Yeah, no, I don't know what he's going for. I I would love for him to write another musical. I think he's good at it. But I think it's also, like you said, there's similarities between In the Heights and Hamilton that it's sort of like, well, what can he do next that won't also feel similar? Whereas with this, at least he can like stretch and try different things. And, you know, you know, he can write Hawaiian songs. He can write Cuban songs. Like he's a man of many hats, it turns out. So, um I feel like I don't see him. I I mean, even when he was doing his Puerto Rican run of Hamilton, he's like, wow, this is exhausting. Like, I think he might be past the era where it's fun to do eight nights in a row of the same musical over and over and over again. Well, and I guess also like doing eight nights in a row, the same musical over and over again is was one thing when you have nothing else going on. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it's very different when you have all of these other projects that you have to be working on in the day. Yeah. It's like, I think if he did another musical, he'd have to not do anything else. And I wonder if maybe that's like not really an option for him at the moment. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's clearly not wanting for work. I don't know. I don't know if he deserves all the opportunities he's getting, but, you know, bless him for his hustle. So can't wait to I mean, see him he, pop up in another corner somewhere. For as annoying as Lin-Manuel is, you have to admit how talented he is. Yeah, like, no. I, the music and both yeah. of these is in I think phenomenal. he's a great writer. <laughs> yes. Full His singing stop. voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so would you say now to this? I, yeah, I would say now. Yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, so fun. And also, it's a good movie to support. So you should feel good about yes. it either way. And it's a good movie to see in theaters, mm-hmm. too, honestly. Like, yeah. if you're looking for something to see, I mean, I enjoyed this more than, like, if you can watch A Quiet Place on your laptop. Yeah. This, you, yeah, go see this in theaters. Yeah, it was fun. Um, okay, lightning round questions. Um, yeah, yeah. Or do you want to go first? Um, okay. If if they if you were like writing a musical mm-hmm. based on your life, okay. and it was set like in your hometown, yeah. <laughs> what are like the big set piece locations that you would be filming these dance numbers in? A la, yeah. like the swimming pool, right. And yeah, like the street corners and stuff. I had a similar question, but um, unfortunately, my hometown is really lame. So it was basically like there is the. Um, Dairy Queen, which was a big feature in my like high school vibey, you know, growing up days. That's where all the cool kids would go after whatever. There was a single Dairy Queen that we'd all congregate at. Um, we also had a park that I I was never like cool enough to get an invite to. It was like, you know, where all the kids would go and hook up. So it really probably realistically would just be my like living room, bedroom, and the Dairy Queen. But if I was a cool kid in this universe, there'd also be uh, a park feature that um, that was home to many a makeout. So, mm, okay, that's really so. It. Yeah, not that exciting. Yeah. I mean, I lived in like a town that had that was very well known for its dairy farm. Oh, so I feel like you could have a big dairy farm number yes, with some cows and things. 
There was also this like weird old dilapidated bridge that was sort of out of town that I think like used to be a railroad bridge, but then wasn't. And I was like, oh, I think that you could also do something mm, with. Yeah, for sure. Always, always a good railroad bridge moment, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, like in Cap. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, one of my favorite parts of this movie was that white people are rarely in it, but when they are in it, they're just embarrassing and um, just the worst. There's um, a white couple that's moving into the apartment Vanessa wants. There's a couple white bros who get mad at her when she doesn't respond to their cat calls very nicely. Um, so I was curious if you were casting yourself as a white person in this film, what are you going to be doing to embarrass yourself? accidentally as a new yorker (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh i feel like i would be like even though i live here i feel like i would have to be in probably one of like the tourist kind of montages (laughs) where i'm like oh my gosh you guys let's go to times square olive garden (laughs) yeah for sure i i felt that too i there were many a days where i went to times square quote unquote ironically but it was really just because Mm -hmm. why not (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I also think I could be um, I would have space to be like a really loud annoying person on a train with my white friends who are just like yes have no business being as loud as they are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that uh, that's me taking accountability for uh, my past actions so <laughs> yes yes I feel like you could also be like the um the like white person who's trying to like uh, go to a restaurant and is like this is very authentic everybody <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there's many things I could do that would embarrass me. (laughs) Um, If you had to uh, let Lin-Manuel play a role in the musical based on your life, who would he play? Oh, man, he'd be I had actually this is now interesting because he reminds me a lot of him now that I think of it. But there was a biology teacher who thought he was so cool and like relatable and that all the kids like, you know, he wanted to be like that, like um, figure in their lives, like the cool teacher that like they came to for everything, but he wasn't, but he'd like insert himself and be like, Hey, like how was, you know, like trying to relate. Uh I think that would a hundred percent be Lin-Manuel. He's like totally confident that he's the teacher everyone loves and wants like their signature in their yearbook when really they just can't get wait to get out of his class. Yeah, I had a roommate who was like a little bit know it all when I moved to the city. And I feel like they have very different energies. But like Lynn as sort of like, a, like a weird roommate, I feel like would work well. Yeah. <laughs> that's true too like a little over eager like a little bit like just kind of annoying to be there but also not like terrible at the same time yeah yeah that's fair um i i don't know why i keep asking questions about like making white people a part of this movie but i was gonna say could you pitch a song about your new york experience that could fit in feasibly in this world have you ever been above 96th street yeah oh yeah lots of times because i used to run up there all the time um so honestly i do feel like i know upper manhattan probably a lot better than 
most uh, yeah, like yeah. New York trans pants just because I would run up there. And then when you're running long distances, like a lot of times I would sort of like run up there and then like get food someplace mm, and then mm-hmm. take the train back down. So okay. I've stopped in a lot of like random like bodegas and McDonald's and things to like buy right. Gatorade. And I've used all of the bathrooms uh, <laughs> in the parks up there. So yes. So, yeah, if I mean, if I was writing a song about it, it would probably be something about like running in the parks <laughs> up up <laughs> in that fair. area yeah. and and a running under the bridge, um, you know, you would be it's in a, the, it's a cool vibe in the background of uh, uh, Nina's song about the Washington Bridge and the map. Yes, and, yeah, <laughs> I. I feel like public pools kind of creep me out a little bit. Yeah. But if they had had that number like in a park, I could have easily been like in jogging clothes <laughs> in the background, like doing some choreography. Yeah, 100%. Um, I felt like, unfortunately, um, realistically, uh, there should have been a musical number about the trio of white girls, perky white girls moving into the apartment above Yusnavi and like, I don't know, blasting Justin Bieber during the blackout or something, because, uh, you know, that was my lived experience as a as a girl moving into the Heights and um, being the only white people in our building for a little bit. And um, I'm sure we annoyed a lot of people accidentally. The, the, gen, the gentrification yeah, angle. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what was missing. <laughs> if, I do think that that is maybe a bigger plot in the musical version oh, really? of it. Because, I mean, it sort of comes up here, but not, like, in a big way. But I think that that is part of it, of, like, that's why the, like, they're selling this shop and things. Um, Yeah, yeah. pretty sad. Yeah, so if they wanted to get realistic, I think that there was room for that that number as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. well, my last question was just if you had to wander around a city selling some kind of dessert item, what would it be? (laughs) Um, I think donuts. I love donuts. I think I feel like that'd be, be good. Sell, that'd be, but I think, I think some it, people. Oh, would really? Like it. I feel like it'd be easy to sell donuts off of a cart. I was thinking like a first pie, and then I was like, I don't think anybody <laughs> would want that. But I was like, cookies. I think you could do. Oh yeah, yeah. I think what's hard about donuts is that some people only want them in the morning, and some people don't like them. Like they're not a refreshing treat, right? So you can't like you're not like hot in the summer and you're like, Oh, I want a heavy donut. Well, you right just now. have to do the coffee and donut. Yeah. Cuts, yeah. Which are all over the place. <laughs> you're right. There's an op- there's opportunity for me. Um, okay. Well, this was fun and I <laughs> love this movie. So good. Everyone should go see yes. it. Um, yeah. And we have Patreon, we have merch, we have social media. You can follow us. My voice is dying <laughs> slowly. Yeah, we'll be back in fighting order next week. I don't know what we're doing, but we'll see. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully hopefully the <laughs> mic works, my voice works, Shelby is alive. Like, yeah, yeah. we'll be good. <laughs> okay, see you guys next week. Bye.